Welcome to Smart in the City, the Babel podcast where we bring together top actors in the smart city arena, sparking dialogues and interactions around the stakeholders and themes most prevalent for today's citizens and tomorrow's generations. I am your host, Hamlin Shimizu, and I hope that you will enjoy this episode and gain knowledge and connections to drive the change for a better urban life. Smart in the City is brought to you by Babel Smart Cities. We enable processes from research and strategy development to co-creation and implementation. To learn more about us, please visit the Babel platform at babel-smartcities.eu. So today we are all sitting in the lovely city and headquarters of Babel, Stuttgart, Germany. And um, it's also home of our guests here too. So luckily we could all sit in the same room together and join in person. So um, Stuttgart is a place that you might yeah, think of synonymously with cars and the automobile industry if you know anything about Germany and this area. Um, so we're going to dive into this topic and more. So yeah, gear up. So without further ado, I would like to welcome our first guest. His name is Sebastian Evert, the CEO and founder of Mallet Charge Big. Welcome onto the show, Sebastian. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So I also get to welcome, if, if you're one of our like original listeners, you might, I can't remember which episode it was, uh, to be honest, but you might recognize this voice. He is our CEO and founder at Babel Smart Cities, Alex Schmidt. Welcome. <laughs> Always a pleasure to be with you, Tamla. Always a pleasure. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't think of two better people to talk about e-charging with me today. So, before starting Babel, Alex, you were involved in kind of the first phase of electric infrastructure, rollout of charging stations in Germany, um, and you were also handling the fund that built the first 200 fast charging locations, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. That, that is correct. It feels like a different life, but it's it's now about 12 years ago. It was a very interesting time. So one of the OGs, um, and I'm really interested to hear about your background too, Sebastian, um, but we're going to get into that in just a minute. So... I want, I, I always start off with a little teaser to get our brains flowing and all of that good stuff. So uh, imagine, the, the teaser is, imagine Stuttgart in 2050, are there cars and what does it look like? I'm pretty sure that in 2050 in Stuttgart, there are cars. Mm -hmm. Stuttgart is too much driven by automotive industry to, to not have cars here, but I'm pretty sure they won't be in the focus anymore so much as it is today. I'm pretty sure a lot of them will drive underground. A lot of them will, will be parked in very clever parking solutions. All mm -hmm. of them will be electric, of course. And uh, hopefully we have better public transport in Stuttgart so that you don't need your car any day any day anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah sounds good. Alex, do you have a different vision? Mm, well, it goes in the same direction, right? So 2050, when did Minority Report play the Tom Cruise movie? There were still cars there. So I think uh, <laughs> um, there will be cars around, but uh, I also agree there will be will be less. It will all be looking different. And I hope everything is centered more around people and less about, around vehicles. What about this underground thing that Sebastian mentioned, do you think? Well, I don't think we, we should talk about digging tunnels here in Stuttgart too much. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, that's... Uh, it's it's a it's a viable option, and uh, let's see let's see where we're heading. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I, I feel like I should ask that of every guest on here. Like, what does what do you envision the city looking like in twenty fifty or um twenty one hundred? I guess. Um, so 
Sebastian, I, I want to dig in and give our listeners a bit of insight into who you are, who your background, who is Malu Tarjbeg? What's the story? Yeah. Who am I? I'm a guy, I have a daughter, <laughs> I'm married, I live in Stuttgart, I'm not from Stuttgart, I'm from the Ruhrgebiet, uh, you should know the Ruhrgebiet, a very important part of Germany, and uh, I was a petrol head before, so I studied at Aachen University because I loved combustion engines, I did uh, kart racing being young, and um, yeah, that's why I came to Stuttgart uh, to work for Male as an automotive supplier. I'm pretty sure sh- I was sure that it is much more interesting to work for an automotive supplier than for the OEM themselves because they just assemble parts. They don't produce parts as such. At least that was my impression back then, 15 years ago when I came to Stuttgart. And uh, I did um, at Male um, corporate R&D. I worked in project management. I uh, had quite some management experience, did a mechanical engineer in Aachen, did an MBA later uh, in parallel to my job. And yeah, about 12 years ago, I realized maybe there's something else in terms of propulsion, not just burning fossil fuels, but maybe electric. We started with that at Marle and I enjoyed that quite a lot. I bought the first cars, the first charging infrastructure. And um, yeah, that's how I came into contact with electric mobility. And uh, yeah, then, then I wanted to prepare my midlife crisis. <laughs> so I asked my wife uh, if I uh, can buy a Porsche and if she would give me half of the money necessary for that because I couldn't afford a Porsche myself. And she said, no. <laughs> so what to do? <laughs> I worked a lot. Uh, uh, I invested quite some time during my work in Marley in electromobility. And I said, okay, then I buy another, I buy my first electric vehicle because Everything else might not be interesting for me. So I bought the poorest man's Tesla, uh, Renault Zoe. And uh, (laughs) that was 10 years ago. And I enjoyed that a lot. I uh, was the first at every traffic uh, light. Uh, When it goes green, you are the first in in line all the time because electromobility is quite fun, even with a Renault Zoe. And um, yeah, during uh, that time, I realized that electromobility might be the future. And then a few years later, we are uh, we about five six years ago when you read newspapers they still had the opinion there will not be any electric mobility dominating because our grids are not capable we don't have batteries uh, it's too expensive and so on and i realized with my Renault Zoe, i illegally charged my Renault Zoe at a at my socket but at a socket in uh, a multi um, tenant home and i realized that's good enough for for charging vehicles so smart charging is good enough you don't need to charge as fast as possible all the time as fast as necessary and um yeah six years ago i I then decided charging infrastructure needs to look different to be able to scale up to be able to electrify mobility and we couldn't find it on the market we couldn't find a proper solution in terms of what do you have to do if you want to equal parking and charging a lot of OEMs talked about uh, uh, refueling equals charging, so um, high power charging as fast as possible for long distance travel, of course. But usually you park your vehicle 23 hours a day. You drive one hour, you drive 40 kilometers on average. So if you equal parking and charging, you just need a few hundred watts. You cannot even charge so slow from uh, based on the norms for vehicle communication. So. Uh, yeah, that's when we invented Charge Big six years ago. Wow, what a story. Um, I, I got my first electric car uh, like 
less than a year ago. Um, and it was a, a Tweezy. You know those cars? Yes, I do. <laughs> so I don't know if you properly call it a car, but it's, it's actually quite fun too. So. It's fun. Uh, we, we have uh, a few Tweezies at Mahler, the uh, electric motors from Mahler in these mm, vehicles. Yeah. So, um, but it's not really a car. No. It's not comfy at all. And uh, I drove it for a few days. Um, it is not meant for long distance, right? <laughs> it's just yeah. meant to uh, go around the block. And if you have back pain, you shouldn't drive it either. So, yes. Alex fit in one of those. I did. I drove them for uh, for a bit. We had them as uh, company cars at uh, Fraunhofer still. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, before Bob, they were lots of fun. We had some uh, nice, you, you said you were uh, car driving. as a, and It always feels like car driving, these, these kinds of kinds of cars and um uh yeah we did some lovely races um in the outskirts of Stuttgart with them we don't do that a lot in winter though yes no. <laughs> it's it's not a winter car either or a winter vehicle um also for for perspective for the listeners who haven't seen Alex how tall are you oh thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> he's a tall one okay so um yeah good yeah thanks so much for for giving us a background so you said a little bit about what the future of Stuttgart looks like to you um, can you talk a little bit about what the future of electric charging looks like to you? Um, I think for electric charging, it it needs to fit to the application. And um, if you talk about parking, and that's the today's focus of ChargeBig, um, you need to have a lot of charging points. Uh, I Usually I say you cannot save the, the world if you just put a charging point in front of the mayor's office. That's what we have today in a lot of cities. You have uh, one charging station, two charging points in front of the mayor's office. And with that, you cannot scale up. They are very expensive and uh, usually it's blocked by the mayor's car. So uh, that's uh, what you still have today sometimes. And from my point of view, we have to find a way that um, charging points for destination charging are just available in a huge amount at public charging, private charging, at work, at the airport, uh, wherever you need it. And of course, it needs to fit to the application. Uh, if you park your vehicle for four hours or for eight hours or for 10 hours or for two weeks at the airport, um, you don't need to have a high charging power. You stress the grid, you stress the battery, you need a lot of copper to be able to get the power from A to B. So it makes much more sense to have proper charging infrastructure. So for that, destination charging might be just two to seven kilowatt good enough. But if you're at a supermarket and you just park half an hour, uh, it, the, the plug-in process needs to make sense. It needs to be worth the while. So um, of course you then need to charge faster, maybe 50 kilowatt. If you go for long distance travel, if you drive uh, 500 kilometers from Stuttgart to Dresden, I do that quite often. So that's why I have quite some experience with that. Of course you want to charge as fast as possible. And today with my vehicle, it's just 150 kilowatt. We have charging infrastructure with up to 300 kilowatt. We have vehicles that are capable of up to 270 kilowatt. And the future might be 750 kilowatt. That's what I have in the back of my head for future high power charging. And Alex, you have the same vision? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, maybe maybe just on, on some of the terms, yeah. right? Because I think the orders of magnitude there are super, super interesting, right? So two kilowatt is what you get out of a normal plug. Right, so this is what your laptop, phone, everything uh, charges from the 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 high power ones you mentioned, the ones on the motorways now, 150 to potentially in the future 750 kilowatts. We are talking that's that's the that's the power 
the, a small neighborhood or 750 a bigger neighborhood actually pulls from the grid in in its peak times right so these are just massive increases and and uh, stresses um on the grid talking now about the vision and how this might um uh, might be in the future destination charging this you know you go somewhere and while you do something else you know you're home you sleep or you're at work um wh while you do that the car is charging that's something super cool right because you always start your journey with then a full car again and that's something that you know we all have to understand so i'm driving electric cars now for also a decade so um, i might be a year or so uh, after you but it's it's just this this is something that we are not used to with uh, with petrol vehicles right because there you always have to do this extra trip to the uh, to the fueling station but every time you come from a destination charger you have done your thing you don't do another trip you come out with a um, a fully charged vehicle and yes it might just be 300 or 400 or now 500 kilometers that you can drive but how often do you do that on a on a daily basis i don't do that um um too often but that of course means that you need a lots of them and that's what you mentioned earlier with the scale that's a super interesting one i remember one of the very early studies from this um uh, the german state had this entity a mixture of research um a big companies but also um uh, smaller companies that helped them identify the need for charging infrastructure i think it was just stopped i think two two years or so ago um and in their very first study and i hope i remember that number right they said for every car we need one to 1.5 destination chargers so that means we have about 50 million vehicles in germany over 300 million in europe that tells you just the sheer amount of destination chargers um uh, that that you need and you know in germany we are talking about public chargers half a million maybe a million um uh, at some point so the order of magnitude is like no 50 times um, what we need in destination charters and what we need in uh, public charges. So I find this a very interesting topic to to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to you both for that perspective. Um, Alex, also, um, so over the last 12 years, actually, I want to hear from Sebastian on this too, but where has this progression in the discussions about e-charging changed over, um, yeah, over the last 12 years? ish years right um at the beginning uh, i don't know if it's such a good solution and now to the point we're at now how have you seen that progression um whoever wants to start alex okay, go yeah, ahead yeah. no i think what has changed massively was that decade ago we were all discussing if electric mobility is going to be the next thing and if we even know the infrastructure and uh, need the infrastructure if mm -hmm. this is actually becoming a thing if it is the right solution now we're only talking about the how and how scale. quickly exactly how yeah. fast we can scale these kinds of things there are still issues with this nothing is perfect right um uh there are lots of negative articles as always goes quickly um to to negative news just spread um uh faster but you know at that point you know you had the zoe you, you said earlier so mm -hmm. there were a handful of vehicles available now there are so many vehicles um uh, available um that you can choose from there is everywhere you go there is there is charges i went skiing um after christmas with my brother and we both so i had a rental car and he had his own car both electric we both have we had no problem whatsoever to go anywhere we wanted yeah and then that wouldn't have been possible a decade ago so um there's still way to go uh, but it's 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 now just a way of how and how fast, not an if. Mm -hmm. what yeah, you? I I fully agree to that. The discussion is very different today. Talking about vehicles and talking about charging infrastructure, 
And I have, I still have in my mind, five years ago, I drove to Frankfurt. I met uh, the um, a part of the management board of a big bank. He was re uh, responsible for all of the uh, buildings they had in Frankfurt. And I, I pitched my product there and he said, I wanted to sell him a chargeback system. And he said, it's the best solution I've ever seen. It's great. I, I drive a BMW i3. I, I like electric mobility, but I just need two charging points. And I couldn't afford it because I have 10 buildings in Frankfurt. And if I would install a charge big system in each of them, I need millions. I don't have that. So uh, you don't have these discussions today anymore. They realize that it's not good enough to have just uh, one or two. They they think about um, dozens. We Today, we have customers. They ask us, what is, your, uh, what is the size of your system? And I say, you can have from 15 to open end, 100,000, whatever you like, charging points per site. And they say, okay, and what makes sense from a cost point of view? I say it's a 36 cabinet, so 36 charging points per cabinet. And they say, sounds great, I take three of them. And then we have 100 charging points per site. And we have more and more discussions like that, and that's what we need. We see that in, in our own parking garage at Marle headquarters. In 2019, I went to an OEM and said, this is what we are doing. And we are building up the first site now at Marle. And uh, we'd like to go for, for uh, 100 charging points. And he said, no one can do that. And I said, we'll pro prove you wrong. We can do it. I had the same discussion with my management board back then. And they said, who needs 100 charging points in 2019, four years ago? And I said, I don't mind. I want to put 100 charging points there because I invite press, I invite the government, uh, and uh, I want to have a, a figure that makes sense, that gets uh, a reach, and uh, that no one else has in, in greater area of Stuttgart. And so we built up 100 charging points, and today we have more than 60-70% occupancy rate. So we have a huge amount of, we almost charge a megawatt hour a day in that parking garage, uh, with all the employees. The employees call me and say, hey, how does it work? And um, how long can we use it? And uh, can I buy an electric vehicle if I can only uh, charge at work? And I say, of course you can. As long as I'm at Marle, you can charge in our parking garage. And so we solved the hand and egg problem with just 100 charging points at Marle headquarters. Wow. Um, and, and do you think that this the politics in, in Germany and in the EU are, are supporting this right now? Or what is the political environment that you're seeing around this? Yes, I think so. Of course, you have uh, different opinions at the moment. We have quite, again, a, a different opinion from all others in, in the German government in Berlin uh, that might not help the discussion. But um, in the end, from, from all parties, you hear in average the same the the same comments we need to invest in that we need to scale it up we see what happens in with uh, startups in the us uh, we had tesla before we have lucid and rivian now we see what comes from china with uh, neo and byd so um we and even the german the european automotive industry invests tens of tens of billions of euros into that. So it needs to be successful because all the OEMs and suppliers, they cannot just depreciate their investments. Electric mobility will come because we already invested too much money into that. Have any thoughts on that, Alex, as well? Any additions? Well, again, no, it's it's not an if anymore, right? It's it's mm -hmm. it's an it's it's really an and how fast um this is going. And I think it's 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 been a political topic at the beginning. Um um, how to move um, these things forward, having the right 
um, you know, uh, legal frameworks, also having the right standards and these kinds of things. But then, you know, the, really the economic facilitators uh, came in when the, the big ones started in investing. Also, cars became much more viable, much more affordable. Charging was much more available. So this, these, these things are lots of elements all from the you know social environmental perspective early from the political perspective but now a lot are economic drivers in uh, in in this market so it's it's a good storm um uh, coming coming together there so again it's not an it's not an if it's 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 how fast uh, what kind of storm <laughs> Is the question a good? You mean a good storm? Yeah, no? well, that that was good, yeah. my intended <laughs> note on that. One. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, so what do you think? Um, so I, I hear the electric, like I, I in in smart cities. You know, you we we take a quite holistic approach to to what we talk about and what we're discussing. So I have people on here who are really advocating for more bicycling, and I have people on here who are um, who might say. Um, but this doesn't solve the urban congestion uh, problem. Um, or people saying, hey, the batteries um, for electric cars are not so good for the environment still. Um, what would both of you say to those kind of criticisms of it, Sebastian? Nothing is perfect. And if you talk about emission-free, we have to stop breathing. Because at the moment, we every time you, you breathe out, you emit a lot of CO2. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we have to think in cycles. And how do we do it? We have to limit our consumption in terms of resources. We have to optimize that. We have to recycle that. And of course, we, sh we should keep breathing as, a, as a human beings. And so I had a very interesting discussion with a colleague of mine from, from research. And he said, I drive my bike. I don't drive an electric car because it's much more uh, environmentally um, feasible. And I said, no, it's not because you eat too much meat. If you consume a lot of meat and then drive your bicycle, you emit a lot of CO2 emissions. So if you want to be perfect, you have to be vegan and then drive your bicycle, but you might not get enough calories to be able to drive your bicycle. So it's uh, nothing is perfect. And even you can criticize riding a bike. But um, in terms of electric mobility, you don't you don't have any local emissions. That's a big advantage. Then if we get the energy trans transformation done properly, we don't have any emissions at all in terms of operating these vehicles. Then we can talk about, um, of course, the resources uh, you need. I had a very interesting discussion regarding recycling. And if you talk about combustion engines, you have a three-way catalyst. So you have your exhaust after treatment, and you have your, your components in the vehicle. Your catalyst is about worth 50 euros just due to the, the, the metals in that. And 99.9% .9 of them are recycled. At the moment, we even have a lot of issues that they are stolen in the field because people use that. So 50 euros in a part and 99.9% .9 recycling rate. A battery of electric vehicle is more than 2,000 euros just from the, 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 the metals, the components in there in terms of recycling. The problem at the moment just is we don't have enough batteries that we can recycle properly. It doesn't scale up because they don't break. That's what we have at the moment in terms of electric mobility. And so there will be an industry as soon as we have enough broken batteries from electric vehicles. And that's the only reason why it doesn't kick up at the moment. So everyone should go break their batteries. Ooh. <laughs> that's what i got from your stories no i'm just kidding um but 
Alex, do you have a thought on that? What do you say to the critics? Well, for, first of all, I'm I'm sure that the cities I'll live in in the future and that I'm already living in also here in Stuttgart, they will have less cars in the in the mm -hmm. future. That's also not an if uh, uh, anymore because we are giving the public space back to the people and that's the right thing to do. Uh, and um, we would all be happy. So I'm very happy if my daughter and, we, and uh, with your daughter, I assume too, that they can safely cycle and walk in, in the whole city without the dangers of having cars around. So I think this is a very, very important step to take, but there will still be cars around, right? So um, mm -hmm. um, I haven't owned a car in 11 years, mm -hmm. but I still use them, right? So they are the shared vehicles. We have lots of those in Stuttgart for any kind of a purpose. And sometimes it's just the, the, the thing that you need to get something done, to, 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 um, uh, to go buy something, to do a trip to a, uh, to a fun park or whatever. It's, it's the best um, way, the best mo mode of transport uh, to go there. And those vehicles then need to be cleaner than they are now, because that's the thing. As you said, no, nothing is perfect, but there needs to be progress in everything we are doing, right? So the, um, for local emissions, the electric cars are much better than the combustion engine cars. So tick box on, on that one. Now there is an issue with, because if you look at the sites um, where they get the raw materials in, uh, in, unfortunately, lots of poor countries and what this does to the environment, it's awful, right? But we haven't solved that problem yet, uh, right? There needs to be some way to solve this problem. And I think recycling is a big part of that. Once um, we have more batteries going into re recycling, we will do, but you know, Let's be honest, not all problems with electric vehicles are solved, but they are progress from what we had. And therefore, it's the the right way. I'm not sure if there's ever going to be one step where we'll solve all problems at once. Um, I think if we if we do a continuous progression and we do it fast enough, then we'll look into a better future. And that's, I think, all we can aim for. Yeah, that would be a nice um, button to push in life. Solve all problems fast. <laughs> um, but uh, what you know, our our motto really at Babel is like accelerating this. So then how do we accelerate? What do you think? Either one of you. On the one hand side, I, I love lead by example. So from my point of view, I do everything I can do in terms of uh, reducing energy consumption, uh, yeah. turning down the thermostat at home, putting uh, PV on my roof, uh, driving electric. My wife has to drive electric uh, too soon. E she even because she didn't buy you the half of the Porsche, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, she, that's the punishment. She, <laughs> she, she had to drive a plug-in hybrid for the last four years, and now she has to drive a fully electric too. So <laughs> let's see how my marriage uh, will uh, <laughs> Continue um, like that. So lead by example is me, maybe even especially as uh, wealthy countries like like Germany, like Europe is, uh, like countries in Europe are, because at the moment a lot of people say, yeah, we cannot do much in Europe because it's all China. But mm -hmm. it's all China because we shift a lot of production to China that is uh, that emits a lot of uh, CO2 emissions. And if we can build up the, the industry in Germany, the competences in Germany to maybe build up windmills again, photovoltaic panels again. We were very good in that 10 years ago. We are not good at the moment. So um, if we start over and do that again, we we can lead by example. And I think we, as a, as a society, as an economy, we need to do that to be able to, to shape the future. So um, 
yeah, I communicate a lot in terms of um, uh, electric mobility because a lot of people still love their cars. They love to be independent. Of course, in big cities, and Stuttgart is not even a big city, if you think about it, if I go to London or Paris, I never use my car. I, I park outside, I take the public transport. But if I'm in London, there is a tube every three minutes, even on Sunday. If I'm in Stuttgart, I might need to wait half an hour. So, of course, you need to think about what is public transport all about. I, I love that in Paris, a lot of streets are, are empty now in terms of cars and they are given to, to pedestrians. So we need to do that. And in Stuttgart, I would, we talked about that before. We are now very good in putting things underground. We, we, tra we are training that with Stuttgart 21, with the train station. So after that, maybe we can put the major roads underground and uh, give the above space to, to people. I work in Stuttgart-Kannstadt and we do that at the moment. We digged a tunnel under the zoo to make sure that uh, the, the heavy traffic goes underground and uh, everything above ground will be just a single lane, a reduced speed, a lot of green. So the first steps are done and we need to do more of that. Uh, employees in my team, they just drive electric. They have one, one car for mainly for, for holiday season. And uh, both of them, both of them cycle to work, cycle to, to kindergarten, to school. So you can do that if the infrastructure is right. And um, yeah, we will do that. Mm -hmm. We will do that. I like your confidence. Um, very uh, inspirational on a, on a Friday um, to leave it with that. Um, did you, I don't want to cut you off, Alex. Did you have a thought on accelerating or did he say it well? <laughs> oh, I have lots of thoughts on this. It's all, all, all quad topic. First of all, I'm still shocked that you only get a, a train every 30 minutes in Stuttgart suit. So um, Stuttgart West seemingly is a lot better connected. He's only going at 3 a.m. Oh, okay, so. okay. That might be it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I think uh, lots of the uh, topics, uh, especially around electric mobility, are still kind of superstitions, right? So the kind of you, uh, um, people think, oh, range anxiety is still a thing. Right. But that is a thing from like 10 years ago. Right. Or maybe five years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing anymore. Uh, um, it, it's also they are less reliable or they are not fun. There is a there's a lot of things from that, you know, it's it's just not true. So, you know, as, as you said, leading as an example, telling the stories that that this is actually a better world we are we are looking into. I think that will accelerate a lot. Good. Good point. Um, good. So now I like to give uh, Sebastian, you the open floor. Um, to talk about anything that you think we didn't touch on today that's in particularly important. Um, you don't have to take the open floor, but if you want, this this is your time to shine. So please um, feel free. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I have so many things in mind. Maybe, maybe starting with, a lot of people think about electric mobility or driving a bike or whatever. It's just the the, the green party sort of guys and girls. Uh, it's only about the environment and so on. Of course it is. And I think it's the most important part of that. But at the end of the day, we, we will not get the, the petrol heads head turned just by environmental topics. And to be honest, I'm still a petrol head in terms of what I like from, from cars, but I shifted from combustion to electric because combustion cars are boring and slow. And electric cars are fast and fun. And uh, I don't drive the Zoe anymore. I, I have a, a, a Tesla. Porsche. I don't have a <laughs> Porsche either, but I, I have a Tesla for, for five years now. 
but it's quite a slow one. It only has 300 horsepower. So it only drives 220 kilometers an hour. So it's uh, not the fastest one. It ha doesn't have the biggest battery, but it's good enough to, to drive Stuttgart, Dresden, Stuttgart in a day. So six hours to Stuttgart, six hours working, six hours back. It's a long working day, but it goes and you can drive 1100 kilometers even with a five-year-old electric vehicle today. It would be much faster with a newer vehicle, but uh, yeah, time will tell uh, when can I can afford it again. And uh, I just drove a Tesla Model S Plaid last weekend, a thousand horsepower. It was so much fun. It was <laughs> frightening fast. And you don't think about any combustion vehicle anymore. The combustion vehicles are shaking at the traffic light when you stop. Why does it need to shake and then stop start? And um, with the electric vehicle you have, it's quiet. I used the cheetah mode. So I pushed the button on the screen. I pushed the brake pedal. I fully pushed the, uh, it's not the gas pedal anymore, the uh, the electric whatever accelerator pedal. And the cheetah mode lowers the front. It raises the back. So the car moves standing still. And then you just uh, get rid of the brake pedal and it accelerates in zero to hundred in less than two seconds, I think, or some, something like two seconds. And if you experience that, you don't get, you, you, you don't have the issue that the exhaust melts your ears anymore, but you have a lot of neck pain with these kinds of vehicles. <laughs> and so fun is one of the most important topics in, in terms of that. Safety might be, I just read an article today, um, overtaking is much uh, safer with an electric vehicle because you can overtake faster, especially on um, if you don't drive on the highway, if you drive outside the cities. Um, um, so uh, overtaking on a, on a country road is much safer with, with an electric vehicle because you can accelerate faster if you want to overtake a truck and then you can slow down again. I will drive a, a, a Lucid Air tomorrow. It has 1100 horsepower and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it will be as impressive. I still can't afford it, but electric mobility will strive because of environmental topics, because of fun to drive, comfort. There, these are a lot of things. It's much easier to drive autonomous with these vehicles. Um, so all of that combined electric mobility will be the core of um, individual mobility in the future. Of course, it's not, as Alex said before, we need to have a uh, a combined solution. We need to replace um, ICE vehicles and combustion engine vehicles with electric vehicles. We need to reduce uh, the usage of cars and try to use public transport or go for a walk or use a bicycle or whatever. You need to combine all of that. Um, but at the end of the day, we are still individuals and we want to spontaneously drive from A to B. And it might not be my own car anymore. It can be a rental car. We, the shared economy will strive again. Uh, COVID blocked that for quite some time, but I'm pretty sure it will come back. In Stuttgart, there will be a new car sharing company uh, starting next week. Uh, Deer will come to Stuttgart. Oh. So uh, a lot of things will progress again um, in, in the right direction. So electric, shared, uh, bicycles, and so on. All of that combined will help us to to have a small part in saving the planet. Good, good last last words of the interview. I feel like we need to get some of these car companies though now to sponsor this episode. Ooh, yeah. So if you're listening, 
Um, <laughs> here you go. But um, so now we we move away from our our main interview section to go into one of our segments. And actually, you get to be our little pilot project here at, at Babel and at the podcast. Um, it's a new segment, and it's called "What Would You Do." What would you do? What would you do in the shoes of someone else? What would be the first actions you would take? Um, so the question is, if you were a minister of transport, what would be the first changes you would make? On the one hand side, I'd like to get rid of all the constru construction work, especially not aligned construction work. When you drive long distance, you have a lot of uh, construction sites and they come quite often and they never progress and they never seem to be aligned in terms of uh, uh, where do you do what. So if I would be Minister of Transport, I would make sure that there is only construction work every 100 kilometers and there is a huge workforce on that one side to, to solve it within weeks or months mm -hmm. and not within years. At the moment, the only uh, time frame you can see is several years or several decades sort of. I would make sure that the time frame is not years, but months or, or weeks. So, um, because if you do that, you can, you have a constant flow of vehicles, you have less congestion and you have less emissions because if you have to brake and accelerate all of that, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So we don't need to build new highways. We need to repair the highways we have, and we need to do that properly. Then I, of course, would invest in um, infrastructure in terms of um, high power charging high power charging for long distance and destination charging for, for the cities. I would get rid of the uh, mayor's charging stations in terms of two outlets in front of the mayor's office. I would put 100 charging stations there. I would mandate that all public parking needs to be electrified in the future to just solve the hand and neck problem. Of course, I would work on the uh, Deutsche Bahn grid, um, do that properly. You just... Uh, I think last week um, there was a Deutschlandtakt planned for year 2030, and they just shifted that by 40 years to 2070. So they realize now that they just need 40 years more than originally planned. And I don't know, we planned it a just few years 40, ago. Just 40, yeah. Just 40, <laughs> yeah, four zero, not one <laughs> four, whatever, four zero years later than planned. So if you talk about delayed Stuttgart 20 or whatever big project, um, piece of cake in terms of what uh, yeah we talk about uh, trains at the moment of course shifting shifting logistics to 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 rails is very important and um, yeah I would I would try to still keep the individual mobility but make it so much easier in terms of um, of using shared economy and um, public transport uh, that you can just choose. I would do that. Sounds like a good plan. Now that we've annoyed all the ministers of transport, um, Alex, do you have another <laughs> addition to that? <laughs> Am I also a minister of transport? Now You're also a minister of transport. Okay, yeah, no, interesting. <laughs> interesting. So I, I think I just want to pick up on the, on the infrastructure investment part, which I think is uh, is uh, super important. I think um, the the length of train tracks um, is actually reducing in uh, in some parts of uh, of Europe, which is dangerous because uh, that creates then strains on on actually the services that you can offer, you know, the 40 years delay is a symptom um, of that. But 
I, I think I want to go down one other track. And I think as Minister of Transport, the one thing I would like to do instantly is create a positive outlook into the, the future. Because a lot of the discussions we are having on, on mobility is always the delays, the um, the congestion, all, all these kinds of negative things. So anyone that thinks about the future of mobility is, you know, all the things that we don't want to have. Huh? But let's think about also about all the cool things that we have gotten over the the last years and that will just be available more more and more, right? So our, our roads get safer every year. Our cars get less polluting every year. I have, I think, every day another mobility option um, uh, uh, going uh, going around, right? So I can take electric scooters. I can take a shared bike. I don't know. I do not own anything anymore. As you said, the um, the shared economy is coming back in, in, in full force. So all these really cool things. And instead of always thinking about all the things that are not working at the moment, let's talk about this cool future that we uh, that we can build. I think that would generate a lot of energy also because people like to think about, a, you know, tomorrow is going to be better. And we all want to build uh, that part. And um, I think that's that would create some energy to actually move forward faster. I, I like the communications focus um, on that. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Um, so we have just one question left. Uh, so you can breathe a sigh of relief. Um, we're almost done, almost on the finish line. Um, so, but the, it's a question we ask every single guest. And it's to you, what is a smart city? A smart city is where everything is interconnected. So in terms of people, infrastructure, information technology, all of that needs to be interconnected. At in, it can start with parking, traffic lights, public transport, and so on. So interconnection is, from my point of view, the important part of a smart city. And uh, yeah, to do that properly, uh, interconnecting um, the municipals, the people, um, this is important to have a smart city. Yeah, good answer. Um, Alex, anything to add? <laughs> Any no, one sentence on it or no? No, it's That's a good answer. Cool, you can't cool use chat GPT there. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, don't use chat uh, GPT and uh, put in Marlet Charge Big. The answer is not correct. And <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It, start, it stopped learning two years ago, right? So yeah. That's, uh, that's the issue. We got to get it updated and then see how it does. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, that's that's all she wrote. So uh, thank you for all your wonderful insights into charging and infrastructure and all that mobility entails and looking towards a brighter future, we hope, as well. So um, thank you, Sebastian, for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. And of course, always a pleasure, Alex. Always it is. <laughs> and to all of our listeners, don't forget you can always create a free account on babel-smartcities.eu. You can find out more about smart city projects, maybe about mileage charge big, uh, solutions, implementations, and more. So thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life. 